We're talking through a series that's going to guide us through a good part of the Sermon on the Mount. The series is just called The Way. And last week, we talked about how Jesus brought a new way and introduced to us a, a, a whole new way of thinking in the first few verses of Matthew chapter 5. It's what we call the Beatitudes. And in those verses, Jesus said some amazing things. Instead of blessed are the powerful and blessed are the political and blessed are the rich, that, that's what they were used to. That's the only world they knew. Instead of that, he said to them, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful and the pure in heart and the peacemakers and the persecuted. Well, that was a whole new concept to these folks. They had only known oppression and they had only known that the people who apparently had the blessings of life were the rich and the powerful. And yet Jesus was saying there's a new way. He was introducing a whole new kingdom, a whole new way of life. As he continues in his teaching, he then says to those very same people, you matter in the kingdom. You are an important part of the kingdom work. And I want us to look at that this morning as we, as we think together about how to light the way. Look with me, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to begin at verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. He said to these people, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light Shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. As we think through that, those two paragraphs, I want to show you a few words that stand out and help us understand what Jesus is saying. The first two words that I want to show you are you are. He said in 13, you are the salt of the earth. And in 14, you are the light of the world. That you is plural. He's speaking to all of those same folks, the downtrodden, the overlooked, the forgotten, the weak, the hungry, the poor. He was speaking to normal, everyday people that he had just described in the first 12 verses. And he said, you matter. You are the salt. You are the light. He said not only you, but he, he spoke to them and he said, you are. Now I stress that word for, for an important reason. You and I challenge ourselves sometimes and we say, I ought to be the salt of the earth. 
I should be the light of the world. I hope to become salt and light. But friends, that's not the word he used. He used present tense. You, beloved, are the salt and the light. And the reason that's significant is if the salt doesn't do the salt's job, there ain't no salt because you're it. And if the light don't light up, there ain't no light because you're it. My mom would slap me for that grammar. (laughs) You are. This is the plan. This is the way. This is all there is. Normal, everyday, messed up, goofed up people who are the salt and the light in this new kingdom, this new way of living. God's plan was to depend on weak and poor. His plan was to depend on normal, everyday folks. And there's a reason for that. Because if you could change the world on your terms, on your personality, on your strength, then it would all be about you and nobody would get to know anything about God. In order for the world to recognize Him for who He is, He chooses to use everyday messed up people like us so that folks look at us and say, I know he didn't do that on his own. And we wind up pointing people to God as they say, his God must be real. Or he couldn't have done what I just saw him do. He couldn't be who I see him to be. You are the salt. You are the light. In Scripture, the church is never described as a group of people who sit comfortably in a beautiful sanctuary. Instead, the church was established to storm the gates of hell, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those in need, to boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel to a world who rejects truth, and to glorify the Lord by making more disciples who are willing to take up their crosses and follow him. Scripture doesn't show us as the pretty people in town who sit on nice pews and hear good music and enjoy the air conditioning. The church is out in the mess bringing salt and light to change things. You are. Let's look at two more words in this text. We've already mentioned them, but let's look at them more carefully. The words salt and light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt used to be scarce. You know, we we find salt everywhere. That's why salt is cheap. The reason it's cheap is because there's so much of it. It's easy to get. It wasn't always the case, especially not in this region in this time. Salt was scarce, and so it was valuable. Have you ever heard the phrase, he's worth his salt? 
We don't say it quite so much anymore, but I remember growing up, we'd hear hear that from time to time, he's worth his salt. Well, the reason that even makes any sense is because salt used to be valuable. Roman soldiers would oftentimes receive monetary pay, and then part of their salary, part of their income was salt because it was valuable. And here is Jesus saying to normal everyday people who who didn't feel worthwhile, didn't feel worthy, they're just regular folk. He said, but you are valuable. You're salt. You're, you change things around you. Jesus says his disciples are valuable to the kingdom and accomplish a great deal. But then he notices as well that if they're not going to be who they were intended to be, they're not useful to the kingdom. He says if salt is not going to be what it's intended to be, if salt is no longer salty, then it doesn't do anybody any good. We just throw it out in the street so that it gives us traction on top of that dirt and mud. So he says, you believers, the poor in spirit who have acknowledged your need for God, those who mourn acknowledging the the pain that your sin has caused, those those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, you want to be right with God, those who call on his name and trust in him, it is those who are the change makers, the salt of the world, the salt of the earth. Light also so incredibly important. Light reveals the path that we should take. It also shows us the obstacles that are in our way. But light doesn't do any good if it's covered or hidden. So he says a, a city is set on a hill and it cannot be hidden. You don't put, people don't put uh, 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 light a lamp. They don't light a lamp and then put it under a basket But you put that lamp on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. It doesn't do any good for the crab to be a crab, but then hide under his shell all the time. It doesn't do any good for a believer to be a believer and hope nobody finds out. It's pointless in this life. It's pointless for us to call ourselves disciples but refuse to follow and hope nobody knows that we're one of those weird Christian people. He says, it doesn't do any good to have a light if you're just going to hide it. So he says, you're it. The kingdom depends on you. You're valuable. Every time we let our lights shine, there's a little less darkness in our community. Philippians chapter 2 at verse 15 reminds us, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Look, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Your impact, your influence changes the world around you. Every time a Christian is willing to to 
represent Christ in the world around him or her, every time that happens, there's a little less darkness, a little more light. The two words that we want to look at are salt and light. But then notice two other words, earth and world. In 13, he says, you're the salt of the earth. In 14, you're the light of the world. As salt is, is salt of the earth. We're not sure why salt was significant in Jesus' symbolism other than its value. Some suggest that the reason he talked about us being salt is because salt was a preservative. You know, they didn't have refrigerators back then. You get a chunk of meat, it's going to go bad pretty fast. Well, you could, you could make it last a little longer if you cover that thing with salt. It was a preservative. And we are able to, to preserve the fallen world around us a little longer with our influence Others suggest that the reason Jesus talked about salt is because salt makes one thirsty. And you know how that works. You can, you, you can eat a bag of tater chips and then you got to have a Dr. Pepper, right? <laughs> salt makes us thirsty. And he has just said, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then as disciples get out in the world and people see us, they want what we have and it makes them hungry and thirsty for that righteousness. Salt has an influence on the earth and on the world around us. I usually tend to think that it's got more to do with scrambled eggs. You ever scramble eggs and then just eat them right out of the pan? They're okay but they don't taste right until you do what? Add the salt. It's like salt says, ooh, these are eggs. Let's make them eggier. Salt enhances what it touches. And so as Jesus says, I'm counting on you, disciples. You're it. You are the salt of the earth He's saying, you got to get out among the earth. Get out of the salt shaker and enhance the world around you. I think it's significant that we recognize he said you're the salt of the earth, not the seasoning of the church. So many of us want to experience and express our faith on Sunday morning at 10.15. And that's awesome. Please keep doing that. But friends, that's where it begins. That's not the totality of our faith experience. We're salt of the earth, and we can't salt the earth until we get out among the earth, the world. That salt doesn't do any good for the eggs until the salt actually touches the eggs. It's then that it enhances and makes a difference. In the same way, he says, light, you're the light of the world. 
You're the light of the world. That's where light makes a difference. Light makes a difference in the darkness. It doesn't really make a whole lot of difference if we're shining our lights here in this beautiful, well-lit room. What makes a difference is when our lights make a difference in the darkness around us. I can turn this flashlight on. Can you see that light? I mean, it's there, and if you look right here, you can kind of tell, but you really can't see that there's much of a flashlight going until we do this. Light is intended to change the darkness. But as long as you and I hide in our shell, as long as we, as we keep our faith in the comfortable four walls on the corner of North Marable and West Virginia, then the light never touches the darkness, therefore it has no purpose. And you say, well, God, send the light. Send somebody to be the salt and the light. And he says, folks, you are it. If you let your saltiness go, then you're not fulfilling your purpose and you're not good for the kingdom. And if you hide your light, you're not touching the darkness and it doesn't really matter for kingdom purposes. So he says, be salt and light. But he says, be salt of the earth and light of the world. We get out there to have an influence. We are to change. We're to be change agents in a dark and bland world. It's not the world's job to understand us, help us, defend us, or provide for us in any way. We need to understand that as a church. It's not the world's job to make sure we're okay. Our nation, our state, our community, our city owe us nothing. We're not here to receive from them, but to give to them. We can't expect the community to support the church. Instead, we are here to invest in the community to be salt and light. And so Jesus told his disciples as he concluded his earthly ministry with them, he gave them his last, his last commandments, if you will, his, his, his last marching orders. In Matthew chapter 28, we call it the Great Commission. As he sends them forward, he says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Notice that's the role of the church, to go and to be in the world, salt and light, influencing, impacting, making a difference, changing things out there. That's when the church is alive. I can't tell you how many churches I have watched show up on a regular basis and sing, send the light and pray for revival and then go home and well, nothing happened, preacher. We had a revival service. The reason nothing happened is you thought revival was about having a service. 
Revival is when the salt gets salty and the light gets bright and we influence and impact the world for the kingdom and the glory of God. That's when we experience revival. Which takes me to the next two words that I want to show you. See and glory. In verse 16, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Understand something that it doesn't say. This is so different from the world that it's going to sound odd when I first say it. It's so contrary to what everything some of us have been raised to believe. It does not say, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they can see how talented you are, so they can see how beautiful you are. Let your light shine so that people can applaud you and give you an award. Let your light shine so people see how awesome you are. None of that's there. The reason you let your light shine is to direct people's attention to someone else. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. You see, your light is not about you and it's not about your talents. Your light is the truth that Jesus has made a difference in your life. I'm not the same person I would be without Jesus. He's changed me. I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I'm not going to hide that. I'm going to let that shine. Now, I might let that shine through singing. I might let that shine through speaking. I might let that shine through dancing. Oh, I'm Baptist. Uh, But, but it's not shining so that you give me applause. I let my light shine so that you can see there's something going on in my life so that you'll say, I want that. Where do I get that? And I get to say, let me show you. You let your light shine like a flashlight that points the direction so people begin to recognize God and give him glory for what he does. That's the way the kingdom works this is the way. We see, we, other people see us, they glorify God because of it. Many of you remember our beloved Dr. Paul Stripling. Dr. Paul was the director of missions for the Waco Baptist Association for many years. Just, he died not, not that long ago, just few years back. He was a, a close personal friend. He was, he was my field supervisor for my D-men work, and he was my mentor from college age all the way till I got old. Yes, I know. He used to love to tell the story, even after dementia set in and he couldn't think clearly. He still had opportunity to speak from time to time, and even when his when his mind was confused, he could still tell 
the story of the lamplighter. He might not be able to complete the sermon. I saw him struggle more than once just to get through two or three points, but regardless of where his mind was taking him in, in that confusion, he could always tell the story of the lamplighter. The story of the lamplighter is this, that many years ago, before the street lights were electric, they used to be run on gas. And many years ago, there was a lamplighter who each evening would take his ladder with him, would climb to the top of each lamp and light that lamp so the street could have light. Then he'd move down to the next lamp. He'd set up his ladder, light that lamp, and move on to the next. There was one time a poet who sat on the second floor of his hotel and he watched out of the window as, as the evening settled in. The sun began to set. And he watched the lamplighter move from Lamp post to lamp post. And he watched as he went down the street, and before long he was so far away that he could no longer see the lamplighter himself. But as the, as the sun went down and it got darker outside, the man moved farther away from the window. The poet said he couldn't, he could no longer see the lamplighter, but he said, I knew where the lamplighter had been. <clears throat> Sorry. The story's not that great. It's all about Dr. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where the lamplighter had been because of the light he left behind. Dr. Paul left such a bright light. I just wonder, can people say of us, I know they've been here because the world around me has been enhanced. Stuff, stuff makes more sense and, and, and the scrambled eggs even taste better. The, the salt has been here. Can they say of us, My world is brighter because he's been here. Beloved, Jesus said it's not about the best and the brightest and the, the richest and the powerful. It's about us. And we are it. We're the salt. We're the light. It's not about us. But we are salty and bright so that we can point people to God that he might receive the glory for who he is.